You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. God, we praise you, we love you, and we are reminded of your love in the cross, and that while we were still sinners, not when we got cleaned up, not when we got good enough, God, while we were still sinners and dirty, you died for us, showing us the purest and best example of love. And God, as we marvel at this and as we wonder about this, Lord, may we never forget your love for us. We praise you, God. We love you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you all. You may have a seat. Amen. Good morning, Grace. Were you guys blessed by that worship time this morning like I was? Amen. Man, it's good to be with you guys uh, this morning and looking forward to opening up God's Word and, and growing and learning together. It's always a blessing. You guys might remember in 2004, I might, maybe I even used this illustration before, but whatever. I'm, I'm getting so old, I just repeat illustrations at this point in my life. But anyway, in 2004, country artist Tim McGraw released a song, Live Like You Were Dying. You guys remember that song? I went skydiving, I went... Nobody listens to country music. I feel weird. Anyway, the song tells the story of a man in his early 40s who got news that his father had an unspecified, life-threatening illness. In other words, the father was on borrowed time. And after receiving this news, the father began to live life to the fullest and do things that he always wanted to do, like go skydiving and mountain climbing and bull riding and so forth. And the song also speaks of finally uh, reading the Bible and becoming a better husband and friend. You see, after realizing that his days were numbered, the father began to live life the best possible way. And his message to his son was simple. He said, son, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Well, church, when we come face to face with our own mortality, it really does change our perspective on life. Charles Swindoll notes, he said, when time is short, things get urgent and simplified. Something about the brevity of time introduces both urgency and simplicity to the equation of life. If you're on a sinking ship, you don't spend time rearranging the chairs as the ship's going down, right? You spend time trying to survive. And if survival's not an option, then you spend time making peace with God, telling other people to make peace with God, and reconciling with those that you love most. You see, friends, the point is this. When we know that the end is near, we live like the end is near. In other words, when time is short, we tend to invest in what matters most. However, as believers, this type of living should not be limited to what you or I might perceive to be our last days, but rather it should be how we live every day of our lives. Because today could be our last day. And even if it isn't our last day, Christ is coming back one of these days. And so we need to be living with that mind frame because our time on earth is still short. Psalm 39.5 says this, Behold, you have made my days a few what? Handbreadths. And my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. A mere breath. You know, my high school Spanish teacher, he always had a saying. We'd be taking a test and he'd say, Time is getting short. You need to reach up to tie your shoes. 
what are you talking about, man? That, that, that situation is, or that saying does not make any sense, right? Time is getting short. You got to reach up to tie your shoes. But we all understood what he meant, even though we didn't really understand the saying. He meant hurry up and get going because you're running out of time. Well, church, in the same way, God calls you and I to hurry up and get going when it comes to living out our faith because our time is getting short. And faithful living in this life is the only thing that will carry itself into the next life. Harry Ironside said, time is given us to use in view of eternity. Dr. Tony Evans put it this way. He said, you and I are on death row. We're fuses that are burning out. So how should we live? Well, from God's viewpoint, time is the boundary of opportunity. The Apostle Peter understood this reality. In fact, this morning as we continue our study in 1 Peter, we're going to find Peter explaining to the church how to make the most out of every opportunity. And in doing so, through his exhortation, we're going to be reminded of a very important truth to remember, something that we can apply even today, and it's this. We must embrace every opportunity, every opportunity in view of eternity. So church, if you will, turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter, chapter 4. It's page 1016 in the Pew Bible in front of you if you haven't turned there yet. And while you're turning there, let me just ask God's blessing on our time and his word today. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this morning, for the opportunity to be in your word, the privilege it is to preach your word. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me today, that I would get out of, out of the way, that I would not quench your Spirit's work in my own life from the pulpit here today. And God, I pray for our people, Lord, that they would be ready to receive whatever it is you would have, have them receive today by the power of your Holy Spirit and the power of your word. And so God, we commit uh, this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we jump into today's passage, again, let's just catch you up to speed on what's going on, give you some context. Remember, Peter was writing to a discouraged church. Why were they discouraged? They were discouraged because they were beginning to feel the pains of persecution under Emperor Nero. And at this point, they probably hadn't reached the point of martyrdom, but you know, they, the writing was kind of on the wall that maybe this was coming. But nevertheless, living as Christian citizens made them an easy target you see, since they lived differently than the pagan world around them, they were grossly misunderstood and they were subject to cruel mistreatment. And church, if this sounds a little bit familiar, that's because it is familiar. It is familiar. You see, what our brothers and sisters in Christ experienced 2,000 years ago is not much different than what you and I are starting to experience today, starting to experience the church is becoming more and more misunderstood by our society and those within government. More and more, the church is being subject to cruel mistreatment. And if our culture continues to embrace the evils of sin, the more the church is going to stand out and be oppressed for it. That's the natural uh, result or conclusion of it. Why? Because darkness hates being exposed by the light. But here's the deal. I want you to listen. When facing persecution, if or when we face persecution, we must remember that this isn't some sort of like anomaly for the church. It's normal. It's normal. Christ told us about this. He warned us about this. It's normative. And then when we start to view persecution in light of eternity, it helps put things in proper perspective. Look what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.17. He said, for this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. 
And so when we start thinking that way, it doesn't always make it easier, but man, does it help put it in perspective, yes? And so in today's passage, Peter is going to encourage his readers and us how to live with an eternal perspective. So let's begin by reading the whole passage, and then we're going to break it down. 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 7. You can follow along with me. Peter writes this, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So two weeks ago, I was, I was on my way home. I was driving home from getting groceries. And I called Carrie on, on our van. There's like a Bluetooth speakerphone. And so I had called her just to let her know that I'd be home soon. And it was a relatively quick call, but Carrie forgot to hang up the phone. And so I didn't say anything. And, you know, I'm driving. I'm just kind of listening in on what's going on in the conversation. Daddy's on his way home, right? And, and, and as I curiously listened in, I heard her say in the background, kids, daddy's coming home. You better pick up the house. And it was like you could almost hear like these nervous little footsteps just running all over the place trying to clean up the house before daddy gets home. You see, the cat was away, and so the mice started to play, right? But when they knew the cat was coming home, the mice started to panic a little bit. You see, once they realized that my return was imminent, their motivation for cleaning up was stimulated. Peter begins this portion by saying, the end of all things is at hand. And this was actually a reference to the imminent return of Christ. You see, in the New Testament, the end or the return of Christ was commonly used as a means to encourage and stimulate faith in God's people. You see, when we're reminded that our time on earth is short and that Christ could return at any moment, it helps provide a proper perspective and motivates us to start living for eternity. And so found within today's passage are at least three practical ways to live in view of eternity. Let's begin by looking at the first. It's this. Embrace prayer. Embrace prayer. Look again at verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded. Why? For the sake of your, say it with me, prayers. In his, in his early days uh, of Dallas, or in the early days of Dallas Theological Seminary, there was a critical need of $10,000 to keep the work going. And so during a prayer meeting, renowned Bible teacher Harry Ironside, a lecturer at the school, he prayed, and he, said, he prayed this way. He said, Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Please sell some of those cattle to help us meet this need. And shortly after the prayer meeting, a check for $10,000 arrived at the school. It was sent days earlier by a friend who had no idea of the urgent need or of Ironside's prayer. The man simply said that the money came from the sale of some of his cattle. Church, this story is a vivid reminder that God is in control, that God cares for us, and that God meets us at our hour of need. It also reminds us of the importance of remaining calm when faced with difficult 
circumstances. Notice that Harry Ironside didn't freak out. He prayerfully gave the situation over to the Lord, and he trusted him with the outcome. Peter begins by reminding the church to do the same. You see, to be self-controlled is actually better translated to be of sound judgment, which literally means to be in your right mind. And then to be sober-minded is, is not to live in a frenzy or, or an exasperating type of extremism, like you're just going crazy, right? And we see this kind of stuff happening in today's world, right? Just extremism and people just woke and going nuts and triggered by everything. It's like crazy out there, right? See, part of living in view of eternity is to chill out. Just chill. And remember that God is sovereign over every situation. That's living for eternity. Friends, I recognize that when we look around, there's a lot of things that can cause us to worry. I recognize that for some of you, these things might even keep you up at night. Things like the Rona, the political state of our nation, the onset of persecution of the church, and so forth. I empathize. I get it. These are deeply concerning things. But as believers, we must do our best as far as it depends on us. And then with the power of the Holy Spirit, we got to do our best to avoid extreme responses and put things in proper perspective. Because remember, while these things may be new to us, there are no new things under the sun. No new things under the sun. The same types of pains that we're feeling today were being felt by the church in Peter's day. And the proper response now is the same as it was then. Keep calm and pray on. Pray. Stay calm. Because prayer helps move us from self-focus, which causes anxiety and worry, to God-focus, which brings comfort and peace. And friends, I'm not preaching this to you as if I've, I've arrived and I, as your pastor, got this all figured out. I'm just so thankful that God has given me a wife that helps me remember these things. She'll be the first one to say, Mike, give it to God. Get the focus off yourself. Give it back to the Lord. Give it back to the Lord. Give it back to the Lord. And she's right. She, she, she's encouraging me to do what's biblical. Give it back to the Lord. And so we got to be able to encourage one another to do, to do that each and every day. Perhaps Isaiah 26.3 says it best. This verse, man, has, been, has really carried me. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on who? You, not, not you, him, right? Because he trusts in you. Chuck Swindoll said, when I see a person who is all out of sorts, full of anxiety on the ragged edge of extremism, I'm looking at a person who isn't spending enough time in prayer. Prayer calms your spirit, yet it doesn't make you indifferent. On the contrary, it reminds you that he has everything in control. Friends, living in view of eternity requires a calm assurance and trust in the Lord. It's believing that God's got this no matter what life may throw your way. And so when we adopt this mind frame, and it will take work, and it will take reminders, it's, it's kind of a lifelong process, but as you adopt this mind frame, you're going to find yourselves in the company of the God-fearing man described in Psalm 112, verse 7. He's not afraid of bad news. Why? Because his heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Don't you want to be like that? You want to be like that, yes? I do as well. And so, but it's, it takes intentionality. You just wake up in the morning, and all of a sudden, you're not afraid of bad news, right? 
So, so we, need to, we need to put in the time and the effort uh, to get to that place with the Lord's help. And this brings us to the second way we can live in view of eternity. Embrace love. We embrace prayer, then we need to embrace love. Look at verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Keep loving earnestly. Stories told of a man who called a local gym, and they asked if, he could, if they could teach him how to do gymnastics. And the trainer asked, well, how flexible are you? And the man replied, well, I can't make Mondays, Wednesdays, or Fridays. Some of you are still kind of working on getting that one, give you time. You know, church, I, tr- I do my best to, to try and exercise just to keep myself, like, alive and in shape, stay active. But the one thing that I don't do enough of is stretching. I don't stretch enough. And uh, believe it or not, there's actually some incredible benefits to stretching. It's just so boring, and so I just don't do it enough. <laughs> but there's some benefits, uh, and I, I found some of them. First of all, it increases your flexibility. It, it increases your range of motion, your blood flow. It improves your performance and posture. It helps heal and prevent back pain and decrease tension headaches. It's great for stress relief and calming your mind. I don't know why I don't stretch. (laughs) But in other words, unless you're doing it wrong, stretching always is advantageous for you, okay? Well, the same is true when it comes to loving. You see, when Peter said, keep loving one another earnestly, that word earnestly speaks of this intensity and determination. Quite literally, it means strained. And it's a word that's used to describe runners who stretch themselves to the limit to cross the tape and win the prize. This type of love is what Peter calls us to have for one another, a love that stretches to its limits. A love that stretches to its limits. Take note, Peter said, keep loving one another. This implies that the church was already displaying this type of love. And in order to stay encouraged through their situation, they needed to continue this practice. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. You see, church, when tensions get a little high, or when they flare up, or circumstances are stressful, it's easy to turn on those who we love the most. We're a family, right? So you get the family drama that happens when tensions flare up. And if we're not careful, we'll end up making enemies with our own brothers and sisters in Christ. Regretfully, we see a lot of this taking place in the churches, in many churches today, with differing opinions on the election and the coronavirus and everything in between. But quite frankly, when you look at the infighting that's taking place, it's saddening and it's embarrassing. And church, it does nothing to advance the gospel or give God glory. So what's the solution? Love. Love for one another. Peter's words echo the principle found in Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. You see, this type of love, agape love, isn't primarily a feeling, which means we can't use that as an excuse. I don't feel like it. I don't feel love towards that person, so I ain't going to love them. We don't have to. That's agape love. It's not primarily a feeling. It's a choice. You see, when we choose to love one another in this fashion, we're choosing to rise above the fray, which causes us to forgive and and overlook and even cover up offenses with one another, which is what God calls us to do. But again, 
Admittedly, this type of love doesn't come naturally. It's stretching. It's stretching. But let me tell you, the strain is worth the pain. The strain is worth it because when the world starts crashing down around us, kind of like it is right now, it's the church who keeps loving one, or, loving one another earnestly that remains immovable. I mean, even the late, great John Lennon said, all you need is love, right? He was right. Now, one practical way to show this type of love is through hospitality. Look at verse 9. Hospitality. Peter says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Show hospitality without grumbling. The word hospitality literally means to be friendly to strangers in this particular case. And so in this context, it means extending love beyond your circle of Christian friends or family members to other believers within your life, even believers who you may not know. You know, when I went to Peru uh, several years ago on a missions trip, our hosts made us feel right at home, right at home. They blessed us with kind words and delicious meals, and they went out of their way to meet our needs. Even though we were strangers to them, they treated us like we were brothers and sisters. Jesus championed this uh, type of practical, sacrificial love in Matthew 25, 35, where he says, For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. Now, admittedly, for some people, this type of love, especially those who are introverted or, or very private people, showing hospitality doesn't come naturally, especially when it's directed towards brothers and sisters in Christ who you may not know very well. It also takes a great deal of personal sacrifice and selflessness. And this is why Peter tells the church to do it without grumbling. Do it without grumbling. Because let's just be honest, sometimes it's just kind of hard to have people in your house that you don't want there. Right? You get overprotective of, of, of your stuff and of your life and of your privacy. And so you're kind of like, man, I wish they would just go home already. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, Peter says avoid that. Avoid that, right? You see, genuine love isn't just an action, it's, it's an attitude as well. The more that we embrace a loving attitude toward one another, the more unified we're going to be. And the more powerful our witness will be to a watching world. Jesus said it in John 13. We brought, brought this up a lot over the course of this study. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you what? <laughs> if you what? Thank you. Have love for one another. And this leads us to the third way we can live in view of eternity. Embrace service. Look again at verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You know, a few weeks ago, in case you missed it, a nor'easter dropped a whole bunch of snow down. Anywhere from a foot to 50 feet of snow, depending on where you live. And I distinctly remember driving to the church a few days after the storm, and I noticed going all the way up the hill that most of the sidewalks were shoveled and clear. And it just got me to thinking, you know, cleaning up after a snowstorm is a monumental task. But when everybody picks up their own shovel and does their part, it clears the path for everyone to move forward. On the contrary, when a few people don't do their part, or even if one person doesn't do their part, like if you're looking at a sidewalk and you've got that one section that nobody shoveled, it kind of hinders everybody else, right? 
Friends, the same is true when it comes to serving within the church. You see, doing the work of the ministry is a monumental task, but when everyone uses their specific gifts and does their part, it goes a long way in helping the church move forward. But when every, excuse me, Peter says, as each one received a gift, use it to serve. Use it. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit has apportioned gifts, listen, to every believer. Every believer, the moment you come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit apportions gifts to you. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7 says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is a source of them all. There are all different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Help each other. Isn't that amazing? God has gifted us with spiritual gifts so that we can mutually help and edify one another. Romans 12, 6 says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. You know, 15 years ago, Carrie and I got married. 15 years this May. And since then, we, and we were given a gift on our wedding day, and it was, uh, it was a food processor, right? And so since that day, we moved three times in 15 years, and apparently the food processor moved with us. However, in 15 years, I don't think we've used it more than once. In fact, just about a month ago, Carrie found it in the basement, and I was like, floored. I said, we have one of those? Like, I've been wanting to make homemade salsa for the last decade, and I could really have used the food processor. I didn't even realize we were gifted one of those on our wedding. You see, church, for 15 years, we carried around a gift that we rarely have ever used. And this is a sad illustration on how some believers treat their spiritual gifts. They've been given something useful for the church, useful to have an eternal impact, but it rarely, if ever, gets used. And this is really sad for three reasons. First, by not using your spiritual gifts, you're missing out on a blessing. You're missing out on one. So if you're a little cranky in your faith, maybe that's the reason why. Number two... By not using your spiritual gifts, the church is missing out on a blessing. You are gifted in ways that I am not and vice versa. And so like, man, to see you excel in your areas of gifting, that's a blessing to me. That's why we have so, different, so many different areas you could serve in. Like, there are areas that I'm super weak in, but you are like amazing in, and you bless the whole church because you choose to serve in that area. So we're all a little different. And third, by not using your spiritual gifts, God is missing out on a blessing. Notice Peter's exhortation in verse 11. He says, whoever, he brings up a couple examples of spiritual gifts, not all of them, but he says, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order, why? That in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, church, beyond receiving personal encouragement and beyond the church receiving edification, the primary purpose for using your spiritual gifts is to glorify God. Simply put, when we're not actively using our gifts within the church, we're missing out on an opportunity to glorify the Lord. And so, church, I just I, I, I say that not to, to make you feel guilty or anything like that. I just want to give you some proper perspective. Like, God has given us gifts 
not to make us feel guilty for not serving in the church. He gave us gifts so that for, for our own blessing, the church's blessing, and for his blessing. And so when you keep that in mind, it kind of changes what serving looks like, doesn't it? You're not just volunteering. We call it volunteering because we don't have any other better words. You're not just a volunteer. You're participating in making an eternal impact for God's glory. And so, church, I just want to be candid with you this morning because this has been weighing heavy on my heart. Many of you know that, that most of our ministries have been hit really hard this past year. You know, we had to shut down for a while, and because of that, every, all the other ministries kind of shut down with it. And perhaps the hardest hit has been our children's ministry, uh, only because it's the largest ministry, by far the largest ministry of our church, and requires the most amount of volunteers. And so as a result, our children really haven't had their own consistent meeting time to learn, grow, and worship together in almost a year. Think about that. A year. You know, someone once said, time lost can never be found again. Now I'll tell you, we could not have met, you know, back in March, April, May, you know, because of, of all the uncertainty surrounding uh, the virus. So that's, that's no one's fault. It just is what it is, Right? And let me tell you, one of the benefits that came from not being able to meet is that the onus for discipleship got put back where it primarily belongs, on mom and dad, which is, a, which, is a, which is a blessing and a benefit. And so being able to have the church in a box and be able to kind of work through discipling your own children is really kind of God's design. Parents disciple their kids. But at the same time, listen, that doesn't mean it was happening everywhere. And there, there's, a, there's a, a large group of our kids, our kiddos, who haven't been discipled, who haven't been getting poured into, and have really kind of spent the last year in spiritual limbo. I'll tell you something. I got three kids, and I'll tell you one thing. They want to be together. Kiddos want to be together, and we want them together. But we cannot do it unless everyone picks up their own shovel and does their part to make a clear path forward. In fact, this can be said of all ministries within our church. All of them. All of them need help, right? And again, it's no one's fault. It's just that we're rebuilding now. Okay? So now it's time uh, to, to get our shovels and get to work. And listen, I'm not naive. I know that we have major obstacles to overcome. I know that it's not going to happen overnight. I know that we still need to proceed with patience and caution with the virus still running amok. Make no mistake about it, this is not an easy task. And we need lots of prayer. But at the same time, we cannot sacrifice our mission to help people find and follow Jesus on the altar of fear. We need to move forward trusting God with the process. And so I'm just going to humbly ask, will you prayerfully consider helping us get back to where we need to be? Yes, it's going to require your time. And yes, it's going to require a commitment on your part. And yes, it's going to require heaps of flexibility because of our, our friend Rona, right? But the eternal benefits will far outweigh the earthly costs. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, what? Your labor is not in vain. Not in vain. 
And so I want to, for a second, if you bear with me, in your pews, you've got one of these sitting in front of you somewhere. If you want to just pull up, I just want to show them to you really quick. They're volunteer cards, serve with us cards. And this just gives you an idea of pretty much an exhaustive or almost close to exhaustive area of where we could use a little help. And I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider Maybe you're not 100% sure, but, but just marking down some areas that are of interest to you. And if you could just be patient with us, we'll go through all these cards, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Again, it's not going to happen overnight. Be patient with us, but we need to know. We need to know that, man, maybe God's stirring your heart for children's ministry. Maybe God's stirring your heart for worship team or tech team or welcome team or life. I mean, there's so many areas, as you see on the card. We need to know where God's working in your heart so we can kind of shepherd that a little bit and help figure out where, where you might best fit uh, within our church setting. Will you, will you please fill these out? Maybe just throw them in the, in the, in the Connect card boxes on your way out. That would be a blessing to us. And perhaps uh, you're reluctant to serve because you genuinely don't know your spiritual gifts. And if that's you, I've got great news. You have options. The first thing is I would encourage you to seek the Lord and ask him to reveal what your spiritual gifts are because I believe that he will. And maybe you'll just have to, maybe you could stop there. But if not, ask a mature believer, ask a trusted source, someone that you know and love. I bet you they could say, hey, you know what? I see this in you. And the last thing I'd encourage you to do is we have a resource on our website. If you go to Grace Bible PA, you click on Next Steps, and then click on Find Your Spiritual Gift. It's a quick little test you could take, and that could help frame maybe where, where God has gifted you a little bit. If you're with me, say I'm tracking, Mikey. Okay, good. Just making sure. Church, our time is short. And the Bible says that our lives are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes in James chapter 4. And it doesn't really matter which comes first, whether Christ returns or calls us home. The truth still remains. We are on borrowed time. Therefore, we ought to start living like we were dying in how we pray and how we love one another and how we serve one another. Ephesians 5.16 says it best to make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And this leads us back to today's truth to remember. We must embrace every opportunity in view of eternity. Now before I, I close, it would be a disservice if I didn't use this opportunity to speak to maybe someone that's here this morning that does not know Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith in Christ. I want to encourage you to embrace this opportunity in light of eternity. Friend, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. The only moment that you're guaranteed is right now. And John 3.36 says, Anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life, but anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience God's eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. And so my simple question is this. Based upon this verse, do you have eternal life? Have you placed your faith in Christ, or are you still under God's judgment? I just want to encourage you, friend. You can't afford to play games with your eternity. God loves you, and he wants to be with you forever, and he wants to usher you into his presence for eternity. But that's a decision that you need to make. And so if you want to be sure of your salvation, just acknowledge that God loves you and has a plan for you. And admit that you're a sinner, that it's separated from God. And then believe that God sent his son Jesus to die for your sins and accept his free gift of eternal life. 
Friend, if that's you, I encourage you to do that this morning. And if you have any questions about salvation, anything at all, please come talk to me after the service, and I'll make sure that I am crystal clear uh, on what it means uh, to be saved and how to be saved. So this time I'd like to invite up the praise team. We're going to close with singing a song, and and I'm going to pray over you, and then you'll be dismissed. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the reminder that we should embrace every opportunity in view of eternity. Lord, we are forgetful people. We are reminded of that truth right now, and we're going to walk out these doors, and five minutes from now, we're going to forget because that's just who we are. And so, God, I pray that you would, you would give us that, that, that conviction and that sensitivity of the Holy Spirit to remember that every opportunity, every conversation, every interaction, Lord, how we do life today, we should embrace it in view of eternity. Oh, Lord, how that would change things. Help us as your people to do that. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.